Hello and welcome to this latest edition of Are We There Yet? The Project Edward 2022 podcast series. My name's James Luckhurst and this week we're very pleased to welcome Professor Nick Reed to the show. Nick has spent more than 15 years at the sharp end of transportation research, widely published in the fields of psychology, human factors, road safety and connected and automated vehicles. And having presented on such topics at conferences worldwide, Nick brings a fresh perspective and robust approach to transport projects, working dynamically at the intersection between psychology, technology, society and the environment. We'll hear a thought-provoking presentation from Nick a little later in the programme. He'll talk to us about what we seek from technology and mobility. But let's start with tyres, as we're just approaching the beginning of the 2022 Tyre Safety Month. This initiative has taken place every October since 2010, and it sees the folks at TyreSafe promoting the importance of looking after your tyres and highlighting the dangers that uninflated, damaged or worn-out tyres can bring. So, without further ado, let me introduce Jason Sims, the comms lead for TyreSafe, and first of all, Stuart Lovett, its new chair. The astute among you will think, hang on, didn't we just meet Stuart in his role as a Project Edward team member just a couple of weeks ago? Well, yes, you did. He's everywhere these days. And congratulations, Stuart, on your appointment. Um, Let me start. What do you know about TyreSafe? What does it do well? Um, Oh, thank you, James. Um, Yes, obviously, I'm delighted to have been offered this role. Uh, I've worked with TyreSafe probably the first time I met uh, Christine from TyreSafe was back in 2006 at the Prince Michael of Kent Awards. So um, I've worked with them uh, in my role at National Highways uh, ever since then. So it's quite a long relationship, uh, 15, 16 years then. Um, what do I know of them? Well, over that time, I've been a, a, uh, my own experience, um, been a wider level of discussions at meetings and, and, and helping to try to raise uh, awareness and the importance of, of safer tyres. In National Highways, we, we report or reported something in the order of 35,000 tyre-related incidents a year on the network. So it was always something which I thought more could be do, done to raise awareness of the issues. Uh, and um, so I'm just delighted to, to help them take take their agenda forward and, and to expand that agenda. Well, I'll bring Jason Sims in on, on this. Uh, Jason, can you work with Stuart? Are you uh, pleased to have him on board? <laughs> as, as Stuart intimates, we've been working together behind the scenes for quite some time. Um, Stuart's been a, a, a stalwart um, advocate for us over the years, um, attended almost every briefing. I, I think, in fact, I can't remember a briefing where Stuart hasn't been there when uh, when we've done it and uh, he's also um, received our outstanding achievement award as well so yeah very keen to work with Stuart as you probably know powerhouse of, of uh, energy and enthusiasm and he's already come on board with some great ideas. Let's look at the, the 2022 theme then Jason explain what it is and the thinking behind it and maybe talk through how it gets put together, because um, here we are just on the cusp of it happening, but I'm sure behind the scenes there's been an awful lot going on for, for months and months. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've we've we've, uh, we've, we've in the last couple of years we've taken a slightly more um, assertive uh, approach with the campaigns. Um, last year we asked uh, the uh, consumer, uh, "What's stopping you?" This year uh, we've got, we've gone on with a, a, a slightly more um, uh, assertive approach. With if your tasks don't stop you, what will? You know, really trying to bring it home to people the ultimate risk that they they face if they're driving with tasks which are uh, defective or and unroadworthy. Um, the we we start the process um, uh, typically around this time of the year for the for the following year. Um, we have to get the assets together well in advance because some of our supporters need them to go through legal at their end for their organisation and get approvals for their use. So we've, we've usually got the materials all done and dusted by July sort of time. Um, and we did give a preview this year at the briefing. Um, so the then we go on to the actual launch of Tire Safety Month. So Stuart and I will be doing a, a radio day this this coming Friday. And we try and do it on the 30th of the month. It's going to be a bit more difficult next year, obviously, when it falls on the weekend. But that kind of really does um, send out the uh, the call to our call to everybody that our safety month has begun, and it gives us some ter- terrific coverage. Well, I want to ask you both as as a, as a conclusion to, to this conversation, Project Edward. You know that this is who we are and what we do. I wonder just what. Edward can learn from TireSafe. You've been around a lot longer than we have. And I suppose success for TireSafe is when nothing happens. You know, when when a tire works, you know, nobody is aware of saying, oh, great, my tire worked and nothing happened as a result. Similarly, with most road safety, you know, success is when nothing happens. And that's always hard to sell as a media story. So any tips there? Any and, and anything else you might want to pass on to, to the Edward team to make what we do more inclusive, more successful and, and, you know, and, and how perhaps we can continue to work and perhaps more closely in future? Well, picking up on your first point there, James, about um, when nothing happens, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good sign. Um, that can only happen with uh, hard work and continuous ongoing hard work, it's very easy to drop out of good habits. I'm afraid that I can't really say that there's any evidence that I've seen or research done that proves that there's been a substantial shift in people's attitudes towards um, tire safety. We've we've seen the, the number of casualties over the years drop significantly. I think we're somewhere around the 56% mark in the drop of tire-related incidents that are reported um, since, we, since our inception in 2006. But when you go out on the streets and you when you talk to retailers and you talk to Joe Public, mm. tires are not top of mind and people don't get the simple idea that if your tires don't work, then your brakes and your steering won't work. And it's all too often overlooked. They're very often a distressed purchase. So really it is a case of constant communication, never rest on laurels, seek new ways to, to, trick, uh, to uh, trigger that thought in people's minds. Um, and I think that that's, that's arguably the... The, the one thing that I'd, I'd say is that it is it's just non-stop it is a, a case of continually repeating that message getting that message out there and then trying as many new ways as possible to bring it to life to people so that they understand that it is of, of high priority i think it's it's saying to what saying to people that you know you, the, the, the physical risk to them and then the, the potential physical harm that comes to them very often that doesn't work because people think well it won't happen to me and nobody really seems to take the point that 
that nobody sets out at the beginning of the day to be involved in a road accident, do they? So um, it kind of mirrors that thing of uh, when it never happened to me, I won't get involved. Well, you need to prepare for that. You need to make sure that uh, you know your vehicle is in good condition. And I think that the research that Stuart led uh, at National Highways points this out, that it's never the one thing that leads to uh, a serious incident. It's a combination of factors. Um, but it's our job to make it simple enough for the motorists to understand that they must look after themselves, the vehicle, and uh, that that that's just constant hard work and re-messaging. I think from from myself, James. Obviously, you know, delighted to work with you uh, on Project Edward, and hopefully we will be involved in next year's uh, Project Edward, um, and we could offer further um, closer working opportunities in that. I, I think. I think what, what TireSafe can bring to Project Edward and vice versa is that they're both about sharing success and understanding and collaboration and partnership working. So if you have a look on tiresafe.org, which is our website, you'll see there we've got over 200 organisations uh, supporting what we're doing. Uh, but what we need to do is continue to expand that, as I say, move that more so that TireSafe is being recognised as a key supporter of the of the of the road safety community and that there is a lot that we can offer and um, you said they're about doing nothing i think if nothing changes then my tenure as a chair will not have been very successful so i'm hoping that things will change um jason's just mentioned the, the national highways research project uh, back in 2016 um and you know what we're going to be we're working closely with the National Highways and through Imperial College London, who will do the independent data analysis of that research and that data. Well, when we're asking our partners across the industry to notify us of the results of checks with the tide tread depths when people are coming in at point of replacement. Now, in, since 2016, TISAF has been reporting that something like 70% of vehicles um, are driving around with less than two mil. So it's getting very close to the legal limit. But 25%, one in one in four tires out there is probably already illegal. Uh, and so when we say do nothing, I think what we want to do is actually, what I want to do in, in, as part of my, my chair uh, tenure is to actually bring around a, a change in thinking that, that tires are important um, and that checking your tires because if you if you think about your family, one of the greatest risks to your family is not actually, um, you know, a risk of being hurt at home. It's actually being hurt by the thing that's actually sat on on your driveway. It's it's the transportation of of yourself and your friends and your and your loved ones. Um, and the safety of tyres, if we can raise that understanding, not only as I say with with the partners uh, within the road safety community. Uh, but also with the members of the public, that simple checks can actually help to reduce that risk, can actually help to reduce the operating costs of your vehicles. So, for example, this year, um, part of the campaign is to is to create some resources so that people understand what the TPMS warning sign is. So the tyre pressure monitoring system, um, I know the first time it happened to me in my brand new vehicle, and it was never explained to me what, what, this, what the system was. I was just given the several hundred pages instruction manual. So when the light came on, I didn't know what it meant. I had to obviously get the, the book out and more importantly, how to learn how to switch it off. Um, so it's about raising awareness with uh, road safety stakeholders, but also with the, the general public, that this is an integral part of keeping yourself and your loved ones safe. 
uh, and that there is a lot that we can do, I think, to raise that awareness. So when you say nothing happens, yes, of course, we want to see a massive reduction in the number of collisions involving vehicles. Uh, again, Jason mentioned the research there. Uh, I remember standing up at a briefing probably just before COVID, I think, Jason, um, where, right, yeah. with the fatal research where we've been looking at the tyres involved in, in fatal collisions. So whilst we often talk about contributory factors, with this research that the National Highways have done into the, you know, the police in-depth forensic files, we've actually, for the first time, been able to show a causational link rather than just a contributory link uh, into the more severe crashes. So it's about continuing to raise awareness and so people to understand that, you know, th these these four things on each corner of your vehicle or front and back if you're in a, in a, in a motor, on a motorbike, um, or powered two wheeler, um, that they are integral to keeping you so that nothing, as you say, nothing does happen. Keep you on the road. If it rains whilst you're on your journey or if somebody suddenly steps out in front of you, it is often, as we say in our campaign, um, if your tyres don't stop, you what will? Well, let's hopefully it's not something that you're going to hit. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot I think we, we can do and bring about change. Thanks to Stuart Lovett and Jason Sims of Tire Safe. OK, moving on this week, let me set up a presentation from one of the UK's leading transport research academics, Professor Nick Reed, Chief Road Safety Advisor at National Highways and an independent expert consultant for future mobility topics. We asked him to offer his reflections on the theme of technology and its role in creating safer drivers. I'd like to start with the question, what do we seek from technology? Any systems we introduce are simply tools to help us achieve our aims. But this begs the question, what do we seek from mobility? Why do we travel? Well, I think it's fair to assume that we tend to travel because there is some value in doing so. What do we mean by value? Well, the obvious starting point is economic value. We might be traveling to our place of work, or our employment might involve mobility, such as a truck driver or a taxi driver or paramedic and so on. We might gain value in terms of our personal health by traveling to a medical appointment or enriching our lives by traveling for educational purposes. We might be seeking to socialize, traveling to see family or to go to a theme park. We might be driving to vote. We might be driving just for fun or to think. Every journey is different. Every road user is different. But for each journey, there is some perceived value in moving from where we are now to somewhere else. But by the same token, each journey also comes with a cost. Again, these include the obvious financial costs, such as having to pay for a vehicle and the energy to power it. But there are also less tangible costs. For example, our choice of travel mode exposes both us and others to different amounts of safety risk. If you choose to travel by train, this risk is relatively low. If you're a young driver going out with friends late at night, the risk to yourself and other road users will be significantly higher. There are also environmental costs. We may not experience those immediately, but we are growing increasingly aware of how our transport system is having an impact on our ecosystems, a cost that we may reap in future or indeed may be experienced by others. So in this context, what might we seek from technology for driving? Well, clearly we would want to help it to maximize the benefits, 
and minimise the costs for any individual journey or for the transport system as a whole. But the role of technology can be very different depending on who is the we in the question. Taking the view of an individual road user, then we might want technology to improve our personal safety, to decrease the safety cost or risk that we experience. We might want to, to improve the efficiency of our journey, reduce the financial cost of a trip. And I'm sure I don't need to remind anyone about the need to reduce the costs of road transport in the current cost of living crisis. Thinking about technology in the form of self-driving vehicles, we might want to be able to engage in other tasks safely while the car drives for us so that we can watch a movie or catch up on emails rather than have to be responsible for driving during the complete journey thereby increasing the value of the time taken in completing the trip. Alternatively, we might want technology to increase our enjoyment of driving. If you have a sports car, you might want technology to help you enjoy the performance of the vehicle without increasing the risk to yourself or other road users. Again, increasing the value of the trip. We might take the perspective of a trucking company. For them, you certainly want technologies to reduce the risk of harm to your employees and to others, and to help ensure your vehicles always complete their journeys safely, reliably and cost-effectively. A local authority might be interested in technology to reduce the noise or emissions associated with a road to improve the environment for their residents. In the context of my professional life, my main interest is how technology can help us improve road safety. And I'm sure it's the same for many listening today. So what are the effective road safety technologies that can deliver safer drivers and help to reduce the risk for road trips? Well, a good starting point is three three-letter acronyms, ABS, ESP, and AEB. The first anti-lock braking system kicks in when a driver pushes the brake pedal hard and the system then prevents the wheels from skidding, thereby enable the vehicle to slow down and steer more predictably. The second, the Emergency Stability Programme, ESP, builds on ABS, using a central computer to apply brakes to wheels individually when a loss of control is detected, in an effort to prevent understeer or oversteer, depending on the conditions. And the third, Autonomous Emergency Braking, or AEB, is a system that uses sensors to detect an impending potential collision and uses the vehicle's brakes to avoid or mitigate the severity of that collision. The evidence for the effectiveness of these three systems is strong. Comparisons of vehicle models that are equipped with each system against the same models of vehicles without the systems suggests that each probably achieves a high double-digit percentage reduction in the incidents for which they are designed to operate. But there's an important point to note here in terms of how these systems work in the context of making safer drivers. They are constantly active, but only intervene in an emergency situation, working entirely automatically and without the conscious awareness of the driver of how the system will work or how it might affect the behavior of the vehicle. They don't fundamentally change the relationship between the driver and the vehicle. Only the vehicle will tend to respond more effectively in those rare emergency situations. We are now rightly moving to vehicle safety, safety systems that are more intelligent, 
systems that do more to perceive the driving environment and to automate more of the dynamic driving task. These systems are being promoted with the premise that they will reduce the number of collisions where human error is a contributory factor. And this may well be true. But with my human factors background, I'm nervous. Drivers have always been susceptible to distraction, but the majority of drivers now have in their possession a device that is laser focused on grabbing our attention, the smartphone. Unlike the other systems I've mentioned, I think the next generation of vehicle technologies will change drivers' perceptions of how a vehicle operates, giving them the sense that it will probably be okay to attend to a quick WhatsApp or Snapchat message. Indeed, recognizing the likelihood of this behavioral adaptation to the more advanced driver assistance systems. One electric car manufacturer put a disclaimer in the latest update to their vehicles, which read, it may do the wrong thing at the worst time. So you must always keep your hands on the wheel and pay extra attention to the road. So in order for these systems to be effective, I believe we may need to get more comfortable with more monitoring of our driving and of our attention. And I'm not sure that appears in the brochure for these new advanced safety technologies. This discussion for me also has the hallmarks of the difference in control philosophy that emerged between Airbus and Boeing in control of aircraft. Airbus aircraft have hard protections, which means the pilots cannot cause the aircraft to perform maneuvers that go beyond what the engineers have determined to be safe operational flying constraints. By contrast, Boeing aircraft have soft flight envelope protections. That is, they can be exceeded, but to do so requires extra effort by the pilot on the controls. We may see cars that adopt similar measures to prevent future crashes. The effectiveness of these systems and public perceptions of these restrictions on controls may determine whether the harder or softer limitations are introduced with my suspicion that the latter, the softer limitations, are more likely at present, at least in the short term. If we're looking at the shopping list of technologies for safer driving, I think tools for speed management have to be in there. I know the issue of speed and speed limits cropped up brief, briefly in the recent leadership election, and we'll have to see how the new administration takes any plans forward in this regard. But I think you'll struggle to find anyone on this panel or with any experience of road safety research to suggest that permitting higher speeds will lead to improved road safety. I'd like to put in a word for technologies that simplify parking. If we can use systems to enable drivers to find a place to park their vehicle quickly and efficiently, we can reduce significantly the exposure of vehicle occupants and other road users to risk from circling traffic and also reduce congestion and frustration for other road users. Though we should also be mindful that making parking easier might induce greater demand for road use. I think there's also huge potential for technology in communicating with drivers. We need that communication to be reliable, timely and non-distracting. And over time, the mechanisms by which such communications influence driving behaviours are likely to evolve. Going from the digital matrix signs we see today to in-vehicle signs in future, and eventually the potential for direct communication with automated vehicle control systems when possible. All of which will enable more granular, more bespoke communication 
tailored to suit the vehicle, the route and the conditions and promote safer, more efficient driving. And amongst all of this, there is an explosion of data feeding our understanding of traffic patterns, driving behavior, vehicle performance, road conditions, weather conditions, and so on. We need to be able to harness this data to improve our understanding of road safety and to model how changes we might make to drivers, to vehicles, to infrastructure will affect traffic safety in the short, medium, and longer term. Lastly, we also need to acknowledge that we are in a climate crisis and that transport is a significant contributor to greenhouse gas emissions, responsible for a growing proportion of such pollution as other sectors are decarbonizing more rapidly. Of course, we want technology to help us shift to zero emission vehicles, including micromobility options. But we might also want technology to help us make alternative choices, avoiding journeys if possible, or shifting to lower carbon, more active journey types. And if vehicle technologies can help people to have safer and uh, to be more safe and more comfortable sharing the roads in these active travel forms, then we might see greater adoption of such modes. And I think this reflects, we don't just want roads to be objectively safe, we want them to feel safe as well. In closing, I want to offer condolences to all those who have lost loved ones or suffered serious injury in road crashes, and to thank all those who are working tirelessly to prevent such needless incidents in the future. I know many of you and many of my colleagues within National Highways are incredibly determined to achieve the aim of Vision Zero for Roads. And I know that working as a team and working across the SAFE system, we can make positive progress in that direction. And technology has a huge role to play. That was Professor Nick Reed, And I should say that that presentation was delivered originally through the UK ROED Prevent Offending Agenda. But that's everything from us this week. We're back next week as our rescheduled week of action gets closer. So do join us on Are We There Yet? The Project Edward podcast. Do subscribe. Do tell your friends to tune in as well. But for now, from me, James Lucas, thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>